about six years ago, I was doing middle school ministry, and we had a Hawaiian luau-themed night. We were playing a game, bobbing for pineapples or something like that. I can't really remember. But it was bobbing for something in a kiddie pool up in front. Probably about 200 middle schoolers there. And this one girl, little sixth grader, shows is in the front raising her hand. And she got this long shirt on. You know, it was all the style. Long shirt, shorter shorts. And she comes up and plays the game. And then one of the leaders is running up with a towel. I don't know what's happening. And the night goes on. Come to find out later, that girl didn't have pants on. Damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school. Because my best days will be in the past. Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, where the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learn back in youth group, and then we find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. If we haven't met, my name is Jonathan Crone, and we're joined as always by Eric Williams. Eric, we're an hour earlier than morning, but are you awake to say hey to everybody? You know what? I'm waking up, I've got my coffee, and I'm excited because this topic gets me fired up, so we're ready to go. Yeah, when, I, when we first started the call today to record this, Eric said hi, and I'm like, Eric, you're a little... You're a little sleepy, and it's because we're doing this an hour earlier than normal, and he's out in Arizona. So while it's like 10 o'clock in the morning for me, he's still waking up. So we'll, we'll get you some energy here in a second. It's all right. I'm warming up right now. <laughs> all right. So to get you warmed up, since you like this episode so much, can you tell the people what we're talking about today? Oh, man. I mean, youth group has all kinds of drama, okay? It's bad enough with all the different things that happen. But if you've ever been to a youth group where you experienced a church breakup, and now this could be a church breakup with uh, uh, an actual, you know, romantic relationship, but more so when you have people that decide that they are no longer going to attend your youth group or uh, they're not going to attend your youth group as much, or they end up going to, heaven forbid, another church. <laughs> and then what happens, those friends that you have, all of a sudden, somehow, not friends anymore. And so if you've been on that one side where it's like now they just don't talk to you anymore, and you may go to the same school, and you're just on the outs. And so once you left the youth group or didn't attend as often, you pretty much lost your friends in youth group. Yeah. Growing up in high school, like my church didn't really have a youth group. There was like four of us that were high school age. And I remember going to FCA at school. It's Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but you didn't have to be an athlete. So I think they, they ended up changing the name to like Fellowship of Christian Students. <laughs> uh, we would go, we would meet on Wednesday mornings and I'd go there because I wanted to be around Christian friends. And like, you'd have the First Baptist kids sitting together and the Poplar Springs kids sitting together. And here I am in a corner just sitting there by myself. We knew each other. We had classes, but somehow, for some reason, when church happened, we would go into our cliques of right. this church and that church and all that. And uh, so that was my first introduction to the church clique of that, the youth group clique. And then my other one that I had, uh, this was my when I first, I think I've been in ministry a year or something like that. And the high school ministry I was working with, we went to a minor league baseball game in the summer because every youth group in America goes to a minor league baseball game at some point in the summer if right. you don't have a major league team around. Come to find out there were other churches there and other youth groups. And I'm sitting there with some of the guys in my small group. I think they were sophomores or juniors at the time. And just as a joke, whenever team, they would put the teams or the, not the teams, the churches on the scoreboard, hey, the Smokies welcome this church and that church. I was just joking around. I'd be like, boo, boo, like under my breath, just loud enough for them to hear. Well, come to find out someone <laughs> in, 
in the row in front of us could hear it. And they emailed my senior pastor telling me how I did this. And um, they went and looked on the website, found my picture, found my name, and then emailed the senior pastor talking about how I was doing this. And even though it was just a joke, I, I got in trouble. Uh, now, okay, I'm I'm not excusing <laughs> what you did, okay? So I want to write that. But isn't that the most church response to it ever is like some kid behind you booze your church. And what do you do? You dox them, look them up online and then call them out to their senior pastor. <laughs> and the funny thing was, cause I was an intern at the time. So I didn't get copied on the email. The high school pastor got copied on the email. So I come in the next day and apparently the senior pastor and my high school pastor had already had a conversation and I get it sent to me. And I'm like, Oh, so here I am as an intern. I'm like, well, I'm done. I got to look for a new job. But thankfully, right. uh, we worked through that. But well, and the other thing is, too, like the the attitude that it takes you as a, you know, as an intern to kind of have that cool, fun attitude while you're at at a baseball game. It, the problematic side of that is sometimes, you know, we get carried away. We don't filter and we say those little boo things. But for those of you that haven't listened to the episode on cult of personality, go back and listen to that, too, because it's like churches, they got to hire young guys who are you know, kind of feisty and kind of don't have a filter to get kids in. But at the same time, the the bad side that comes with that at times, because we're all learning as young leaders, sometimes gets punished. So that's a different podcast we've already covered, if you want to go back and listen to that. <laughs> and the other thing of it is uh, what I learned at the time, and this is a different subject for a different day, but I'm just going to drop it in here anyways, is as leaders, what we do in moderation, they do in excess. Yeah. So as a joke for me to get a couple laughs from some 16-year-old guys, they see that as permission to do that even more. So right. I unfortunately upped the stereotype and gave it validation that we are at rivalries with other churches right. and other youth groups. So I learned that one pretty quick, and I've been pretty careful about that ever since. So that's why I'm really in looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we had a similar story, too, because we used to play, uh, I think the game was called Mafia, and I don't remember the rules of the game, but essentially you had a storyteller that would narrate something, everybody would shut their eyes, you'd have a murderer that left the room and then tapped on someone, you had to discover who the murderer was. But part of the, the you know, the, I guess the draw of that game at times was to have a really good storyteller that could talk about, you know, who the enemy was and everything like that. And our, our student ministry director at the time was a great storyteller, obviously, uh, you know, cause he's speaking on stage all the time and stuff like that. So he would narrate the thing and the enemy was always specifically the church that had the next largest youth group in, in the, in the city. It was like, yeah, the, the robbers for, or, you know, the thieves from, you know, X blank church. And it was just like, it was always that. And I never, I never really thought at the time that that was a big deal, but especially as we're talking about the subject now, it's like, man, did that set a, a bad precedent probably for the however many kids that were listening to it too. And I remember when I first was going into ministry, I had this big dream, like what if all the youth groups in town could work together to do a serve day or to do a service? And then like right. I, that was when I was in seminary and I was talking to people who had been in ministry. They're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Right. And I couldn't understand why. And then yep. I, I think it was my first year as an intern, we did a worship night with two other ministries in town. So the high school pastor I worked for, his brother-in-law was the high school pastor at another church, and he had grown up in the third church. So there were all these ties 
within these three churches. And even then there was a little bit of a rivalry, like where we're we going to host it, right? Who's going to do it? Whose band's going to play? Like we were trying to figure out who got credit for what. And exactly. so even those small things that should have been easy to do and come by, they there was a little more ego and a little more, uh, I think you, you mentioned it in a couple episodes ago, there was tribalism involved. Yeah. And as we know through everything in life today, tribalism is bad. There's no good yep. way. It's, it's, it's just not good. And so that's what we ended up doing. And I, I'm amazed at the rivalries and tribalism within churches and youth groups and how that even extends up to big church once we graduate from high school. Yeah. And it's a scarcity mindset too. I mean, cause I've worked with and for churches of a hundred people every weekend and, you know, churches of 20,000 plus every weekend. And on every level, at some point there's that, there's that bruise, there's that button, there's that, you know, whatever insecurity in one of the leaders or some of the leaders that when it comes to, Hey, let's get a bunch of Christians together and let's go over to that church over there. It's like, Oh, they're going to see how much better their stage looks or how much better their band is, or I better speak. So that way everybody else could see how much better I am as a speaker, as if there's some sort of Christian cannibalism going on. Because as we've talked about all season long, especially in youth group, we're trying to outdo every other youth group uh, in order to get, you know, the next biggest and baddest thing. And it really kind of takes our focus off of the main mission, which is like we're not we're not here to, you know, to poach Christians. We're we're here to to seek and save the lost. You know, we're, we're here to evangelize. We're here to do these things to tell people about the greatest story ever told. And if you're new with us, that seek and save the lost thing was a joke from a previous episode as well. So go back and listen to that one if you want to get that joke. But if you are new with us, every week we do, we follow the same format. We're going to intro the topic like we have so far. What we're about to get into is we're going to talk about what was bad about this tribalism and these rivalries. Then we'll talk about what we got right because we do want to find the good intention that was underlying the bad approach. We're not trying to unlearn youth group for the sake of moving past our Christianity and we actually want to make it better for the next generation. And then finally, we do look at that. We look at where we go from here and how we take those good things and move forward in positive ways. So, Eric, we've touched on it a little bit. What was bad about these rivalries and this tribalism from youth groups? So if we start out uh, like from the standpoint of the student or the kid in youth group, which, you know, I, I've said to I, I didn't really start joining youth group until I was leading in youth group. So uh, I had a little bit of the experience in middle school, but never this church breakup type of thing until I was leading. And I saw it uh, in the students I was leading. But there was this approach that like somehow our community and relationships were based on our attendance, like our frequency of attendance, or our identity as one particular church or youth group, right? That's we give out the swag for stuff. We have the t-shirts and it's like, I go to, I go to, elevate thing or I go to something city church thing, you know, or rock youth or take something out all city the thing. Yeah. You know, and like, oh my goodness. That's just, Sorry. Or take out now it's like, take out all the vowels. So it's Y T H it's, you know, R R B X Y T H like whatever the heck that means anyway. But it's like, you're labeled as that. And when you no longer attend that group now, like you talked about in your story, all of your other relational ties don't seem to matter as much. So you could see those same people at school, uh, on your sports teams, you know, in your neighborhood. And it's like you either you're encouraged not to hang out with those people or there's just this separation because they're no longer a part of your church tribe. And so 
that's a main center of it. But I think outside of it, that's where, you know, that's where, especially because I've been working in, in what you'd call mega churches for the last 10, 12 years. And that's where these churches get their cult label from, right? Because I, I think, well, there's a lot of reasons for it, but especially when it's like, if you're not part of the group, you're out of the group. That's a big sign of like cult-like behavior. Uh, and so we get unfairly labeled that way. And the people on the outside of church looking in just see it as being ridiculous. And I remember this wasn't youth group. This was actually adulthood. But when I left the church that I worked at, uh, I stayed in town and started my own business. But almost every relationship from that church disappeared. Yep. And I don't think there was any malice there. I don't think there was any ill intentions or anything like that. But it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Right. And because I wasn't in the office every day or at church on Sunday morning, on one hand, it shows how shallow many of the church relationships are because I thought I was better friends with some of the people that I was friends with and right. it just disappeared. But at the same time, if I put myself in their shoes and try to look at it empathetically, I don't think they knew how to respond to me either because right. I mean, you leave church staff. There's this assumption that there's ill will there because it was the cleanest breakup or anything like that. I wasn't fired, but I was coached off staff, which was our terminology. That's great. <laughs> blessed to leave. Yes. Blessed to leave. Given the option to see if God was calling <laughs> me somewhere else. And so <laughs> I, I, uh, if I put myself in their shoes, our identity of the friendship was based around where we went to church and without that there anymore, they probably felt weird. And I think it's because we overemphasize where we go to church and not the fact that we are all part of the believer, the community of believers, the overarching, yeah. I'm going to go to church here and I'm sorry, the capital C church. Like that's, right. that's who we belong to. And I'm actually working with a church planning network right now. And they used a, an analogy that I really like. They they said that many churches set up their own kingdoms and like each church is their own kingdom and you live within that kingdom. And what they're trying to do as this network is they're trying to set out outposts of the kingdom. Yeah, and I think that's a shift that and we can get into this later. But I think where we went wrong is so many of us view our church as the kingdom of our church not as the outpost of God's kingdom. So when someone leaves that kingdom, they're gone. They left the mission. Yep. They jumped off the boat. They're not part of us anymore. And so, all right, move on. Who can we get in and who can we have to replace them? And it's just not a healthy way to view things. And I, I don't even know if we do it consciously. I think it's a subconscious thing that happens that we don't even realize we're doing. Yeah. And it's, it's like, there, we're just not being honest about some things and it's not necessarily malicious in some cases, but I like, I like your analogy of, or, you know, your example of being on church staff. Cause I've been there too, you know, where you leave church staff or church leadership as a key volunteer for some of you who may be listening or thinking about, you know, as a small group leader or as a volunteer minister doing something, it's, it's like, we assume that the, that being employed or working in a position of leadership for a church is going to be different somehow than a business or other industry. But in reality, it's very similar. It's like if you've ever left a job, you go to a different job, you might have maybe one or two coworker friends you still stay in contact with. But, you know, you there is this sense of like they're they're on to the next position and you're really your your community is based on your proximity your community is based on the fact that i'm around them more often and now that you aren't you're just not there and so i think part of that is not admitting like okay 
we're friends here. Uh, yes, we want to say because we're Christians, we're part of this group and this community, blah, blah, blah. But it also has a lot to do with proximity. And if we don't see each other as much, it's going to be a lot harder. It's not impossible, but you still have to work a lot harder to keep those those uh, ties together. So I think that's just like the human nature side of it. But on the other side is, man, that that deep sense of of church competition, like you talked about, that that outposting is such a good example. I mean, I've been thinking about it like think about our country for those of us who are listening in the United States. It's like you and I are in different states, but – I don't look at that and go like, oh, okay, you know, oh man, I'm here in the West in New Mexico and, and, you know, it's like, and you're different, but we're seven episodes into this. Just so you people know, I have never met Eric in real life. Right. Yeah. We've never seen, you know, like other than a zoom call, we haven't seen each other face to face, but because we are citizens of the same country, it's like, we have this shared unity, you know what I mean? And it's like churches somehow just lose that maybe denominationally you might keep it. It's like, oh, I go to whatever Baptist. I, oh, I go to whatever Baptist or that's fine, but outside of that, man, it's it it's just sad to see that we don't we don't have a shared mission, and we can't put aside some of those other things that are uh, you know tempting us to to keep separated like that. I also think it the bad in it is that it shows how shallow our friendships and our relationships are. Yes, and now that we're adults, there was a poll that came out. It's almost 20 years at this point, 2004, which makes me feel incredibly old because that's what year I graduated high school. But the poll from back then showed that almost like, I think it was like 55 to 60% of American adults say they have less than five close friends. Yeah. Which is insane. And 16% say that they have two or less. So, I don't know if that gets started in high school through this and through things like this, or if it's just a ma- nature of we're a transient society now that moves around and all sorts of things. But it shows me that ideally the friends we make in high school, the friends we make in youth groups should be the friends that we stay with for a long time. We grew up together. We had similar experiences together, but for some reason, if once we get to college, you choose to go to church across town, for some reason, our friendship isn't the same anymore. Right. And think about it this way, too. And this might be a new episode altogether. But uh, imagine you don't go to your church youth group and instead you go to Young Life, you know, or something else like that, <laughs> man. I mean, you go to a parachurch ministry and you even talk about FCA. You know, some people, that's all they can make because they're in, you know, athletics and and going to FCA chapel or group is the only time they can make it and they just can't otherwise. And man, you, you know, in some churches, I'm not sure if it's the same in your experience, but my experience, it's been like, you know, the local church and an FCA, maybe not FCA, but the local church and a young life. Oh gosh. There's a giant rivalry there. Yeah. It's like, there's a huge rivalry. Somehow they're not as good when in reality, it's like, man, they're, they're doing God's work as well. And how can we celebrate that together? Um, But also, foster that community uh, despite where our proximity separates or despite our differences. Absolutely. And we could keep getting through this and going to the negatives, but I think people get the idea by now. And we're also like 18 minutes into this. So I want to respect time and try to get through this in about 30 minutes like we always do. So, So let's switch gears. What did we get right? What was the good intention that was underlying this approach? 
Well, okay. So I think that this is like the, the, the negative consequence or the, or the, you know, runoff, if you will, of trying to encourage good community, right? Churches are community and all the things, you know, churches, I think if you were to ask people about their intentions behind this, most church leaders would say, would agree with you, Jonathan, on, you know, we are trying to foster deep lifelong relationships with people. Um, but the way we go about it or the, 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 the tangential aspects of it are the things that tear it down. But community is great. Church should be a place where regardless of where you work, regardless of, you know, your other activities, it's a central gathering point every Sunday, every Wednesday night, whenever you did church, whatever it looked like, where people could come together and check in and really genuinely care about you outside of, well, you do a job for us or outside of, well, you know, you're in the the parent pickup line or you're on the kid's sports team and, you know, being a member of this church community, being a member of a place where you can be open and honest with people is important. And I think just like you talked about, man, if I only have two close friends in my life uh, at this point, I'm 37 years old. Where am I going to find more friends that aren't, you know, husbands of my wife's friends? Like, it should be church. It should be a place where you can go and you can say, we have a mutual understanding. We have uh, mutual common interests. And so let, you know, let's be open and honest with each other. So those would be the two big ones before we get into the, uh, uh, the other aspect of, you know, that I want to talk to. So I just want to see, you know, Jonathan, what do you think? What are some other good intentions we have? I think creating an environment to where you feel a connection with your church is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it shows that we're doing something right if people are loyal and dedicated to our church. It means that yep. we are teaching or saying or doing something that is connecting with them and helping them connect with God. So yes. that is a good thing. I am I am proud to be a part of that. Uh, I would be I would be very happy if people were like I think I don't know if I mentioned on here or not, but you know this. In a couple of years, we're starting a church. And as I think through that church, I would love if people felt that connected to it, that they felt ownership to that church. But like we've talked about, it can't be an ownership because it's better. It's got to be an ownership because it's better for me. Right. And, or I'm called to there. And I think the good intention was that loyalty and a place of belonging is a great thing. A place where you can be yourself and be accepted. That is incredible. So I would say that's the good the good intention from my perspective. But as we move forward, you put some stuff in our notes that I really want to get into. Can you go ahead and jump into the next thing that we have on here? Yeah. Um, so this is big that just came out recently. Gallup did a poll. Um, you know, and I've done work with the Gallup organization through their Strengths uh, Finder program and other things like that. And so you know tied in with the people that are doing these polls and they released this poll about mental health. And so, uh, you know, looking over the last three years on mental health ratings and how they've kind of gone to a new low over the COVID pandemic, but there were some surprising things for church people. And I want to say this to, especially the people that, um, you know, we would consider, uh, de-churched, right? Maybe you were disenfranchised with church. You no longer attend church. You don't see the need. This was very encouraging for me on why being connected is more important than ever. It said uh, a couple of findings. Those who attend church weekly are 11% more likely to rate their mental health as excellent than those who say they attend one to three times a month. Those who attend church weekly. Let me stop you. The average Christian American attends church 1.8 times per month. So you you may think one to three times per month, no big deal. But the average person listening to this podcast, the average American goes to church less than two times per month. 
Yeah. And so that's where it's like regular connection with a church body has uh, an impact on how you would rate your mental health. Um, the other aspect was like those who attend church weekly are 17% more likely to rate their mental health as excellent than those who say they attend a few times per year. So you're, you're Christers, you're Christmas and Easter people, or you're every CEOs. time, you know, you, yeah, exactly. Christmas, Easter you're, only. CEOs. Yeah. Those people, anytime mom comes into town or you got to go visit your parents, those sorts of things. Um, so like, that's even bet. That's only you know seventeen percent more likely than just regular you know than than uh, occasional attendance. And then, um, hey, real quick, just as a fun note, do you know the third most attended day in the church each year? Uh, oh yeah, Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Yeah, it, I I didn't realize that, and I think it's so funny that I mean Christmas and Easter obviously, but Mother's Day is the third most attended Sunday of the year for churches. So, yeah, when I was programming with with uh, you know churches, we would look at. Father's Day as being like the start of the decline because most churches take, you know, summer kind of takes a hit for them. Uh, and, and that's where it is. Like Father's Day is in June. And that was like, oh, yeah, you know, because on Mother's Day, moms want everybody to go to church with them. On Father's Day, dads want everybody to be able to stay home from church and sleep in and grill or go to the lake or whatever. So, yeah, very interesting in the differences. Yep. All right, um, moving on. Anyway, so if you look at the poll from Gallup, they ranked all these different demographics, you know, whether it's marriage, age, household income, uh, political party official, uh, affiliation, all of that. And 76% of U.S. adults rated their mental health positively. So that's a nine-point decline from 2019. But those who attended religious service weekly are the only demographic out of all of those to improve their rating. So every demographic has gone down from 2019 to 2020 on mental health. But the, the group that said, I attend a religious service weekly, either online or in person, they're the only group that their mental health actually improved through a global, a global pandemic. And so weekly church attendance, a connection with this church community improves your mental health. It's, it's more impactful than your marital status, your age, your household income, or your party uh, affiliation combined. So for you single people, it's not like, oh, if I was married, that would impact my mental health better. If it was like, oh, I was younger, older, if I had more money, you know, none of that. Like if my party was in charge, none of that has the same impact as staying connected with Christian community on a weekly basis. That's insane. Yeah, I, I know. Like what the, that was the only group to go up and to thrive, what I would say, you know, maybe maybe you wouldn't self-identify as thrive, but according to the polls, thriving through a global pandemic. And I think that's like that is the power of this when we're doing church community right. That's the power. So I think that's definitely what we got. What what the right intention was, the good intention behind uh, encouraging people to kind of establish a tribe and establish a community in a church. It's almost like God designed us to be in community with other people. Oh, huh, man. Like it was like not good for us to be alone. <laughs> Sorry. Would have been, and <laughs> I almost made the same joke. I just couldn't figure out how to say it. So I'm glad you did. <laughs> but I mean, oh, seriously, man. like that belonging, that, yeah. that having a place that you can be you, that, that you are right. accepted, that is a great thing. Yes. And so we need to take that and we need to, as all right, we're going to go ahead and shift to part four. So where do we go from here? So as we think about this, we need to take that sense of belonging and, and emphasize that even more that yeah. you belong here. I, I, although I hate that phrase because every church uses it now, but right. you, you, there is a place for you. You're accepted here. 
but we also have to give people the ability and the freedom to leave well. And I think what we're seeing is in the healthy churches of today, the churches who are doing things right, they are incredibly big on leaving well, allowing Mm -hmm. people to leave well. And I think of the church that we started going to when we first moved back to North Carolina, uh, I'm friends with the leadership there. So it's a little different, but we decided that that actually wasn't the church for us. It was a little different than what we were looking for. Um, they are a Baptist church. We are not a Baptist family. Sure. And there were some things they did that were just a little too Baptisty, And that was our personal preference, that preference that wasn't a theolo- theological issue. And so I emailed and called and talked to the pastor on the phone about why we were leaving, that it wasn't any type of uh, negative feelings or whatever. And man, I've been friends with them since I have, I have yep. talked to them. I have seen them. I have checked in with them and, um, through, we, we were leaving at the beginning of COVID. And even once COVID started, one of the things that they did as a church was they called people just to make sure they're doing okay. And they still mm-hmm. called me because you can be friends with people, even if they don't go to church with you. Yep. And so I think the ability to welcome people and get them involved and get them into a tight knit group, focusing on that. But when they choose to leave or when they realize maybe this isn't right for them, instead of getting offended or protecting and defending everything you do. All right, cool. Like, yeah, I, if we can help you find what God has for you, then I'm all for it. And allowing yeah. people to do that, that searching. Cause if, if we do tie this back to youth group, one of the biggest reasons high school kids leave the church after high school and college is because there's no room for their doubts. If people are searching for something and we don't give them the room to search, they're going to give up and move away and just not do it. So we have to give room and space for people to find those things that they're looking for. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, first of all, I want to acknowledge like your friend from that church, like what an incredible sense of self maturity and just confidence in uh, relationships and the gospel in what they're doing, wh- whatever the motivation is, but like to not take that personally. Um, it, and it's, it's kind of surprising that we have to call out what you would think is like a basic human response to not take, but that it's personally. hard. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that's super great to be able to, to, to do that. But I think that that's a key differentiator when you are a part of a Christian community, whether you're in leadership or not. Um, and this was a, this was an axiom from, you know, a church that I used to serve at where we would talk about like, we want more for people than we want from people. And if you're living that out, uh, then since you want more, since that guy's going, Jonathan, I want more for your family than I want from mm-hmm. them. So I don't want your attendance. I want you to thrive in our, in a Christian community. And so it's like, if we can have that same mentality when we're looking at other people and say, as a church, as a Christian, as a group leader, as a whatever you are, like, hey, if someone else, uh, like, like I find myself, I get a little twinge when someone's like moving for work. You know, it's like as if that's somehow personally attacking me. Oh, yeah, we're moving and we're going to be going to like Denver now. And I'm like, oh, what? Really? Why would you want to? You know, it's like, no, stop. Like people have lives and it's okay to make space for their preferences. It's okay to make space for their life change. And really, you start to start to help me evaluate. Do I want more from them in this relationship or do I want more for them? And I think if we're in honest Christian community, 
then I'm called to go, okay, what is it that you need? How can I help provide that? Um, and, and how can I help encourage that in you? And so if that's finding a church that's going to fit your needs better than ours, which sidebar, how blessed, like how incredibly privileged are we in the United States that we can choose that, right? As opposed to like, <laughs> this is the one Christian church. This is where you go, you know, that sort of thing. And hope to so not get be, murdered. Exactly. So, I mean, like, it's okay to make space for people's preferences. If you don't like the worship, if you don't like this, you know that, great. I just want to stay connected with you and I want to make sure that you're still thriving in your relationship with Christ. And I think, I, I think about people who are listening to this podcast and most aren't in church leadership, but most are probably in some type of volunteer role um, or mm-hmm. a lot of people probably are. And so if I were to come, like if we were friends and I said, you know what, man, I, I think it's time for us to find a different church because my, like for, if I go back to the example of the church we went to, my wife connects with God most through music yeah, and the, that church's worship style did not connect with her. She did not connect with God. She was distracted by it. And so um, again, it's a personal preference that's very privileged, but if we were friends with someone who was on the worship team and we told them, yeah, we're going somewhere else. And part of the reason is like the worship style we just didn't connect with. It's very easy to take offense to that. Well, what's wrong with us? Like we work really hard. We're really good. No, no. I get that you're good. Right. It's got to be an idea that like a difference of opinion is not a personal attack. Exactly. And it's not telling you that you're, that you're worse. It's just, there are other preferences. Yep. I like steak. You might like chicken. Yep. I like hot dogs. You might like hamburgers. Like it's okay. Like we can still be part of the same cookout, but have right. different preferences on what we're going to eat. And of course I'm thinking about food at 1043 in the morning for me. Yep. I don't know why, yep. but that's, the thing we have to move forward. We've got to be able to think of ourselves as outposts of a bigger kingdom as opposed to our own tiny little kingdoms. And it comes from, you know, your, yourself. So like, if I'm tempted when somebody says I'm looking for something else or man, you know, this just wasn't right for me. Like now I have to self-evaluate and see where does that insecurity come from for me? You know, why am I taking this personally? Uh, and and the the answer that I've seen in a lot of places, is like as much as it's hard, hard to believe, and we make it hard to believe with our rhetoric and churches, churches are not in competition with each other. Um, and I and I heard someone way back when say something said there aren't enough seats in every church in your town to hold all the people that need Jesus. And so it's like, wow, you know, there's so much more. Uh, there there's so much more out there for people. And there are so many more opportunities and things like that. And we need people uh, to plant churches. We need people to be in good church leadership elsewhere. And so if you have like a, a key volunteer or a group leader that just says, man, I, I think I'm, I'm better called over to somewhere else. It's like, pray for them to thrive, help them thrive, because that's an outpost that desperately needs more leaders, that desperately needs more people that are serving in that, in that area of the kingdom, because there are hundreds of thousands of people in your town, probably, or in your major metropolitan area that don't have a church community, that don't have a church home. And so let's encourage other healthy church people to be other healthy church community encouragers for those people that need them. That's awesome. And to close today's episode, we're a little longer than normal, so I apologize for that. But 
if I want, if you're listening to this, I want you, and who would I be talking to other than the people who are listening to this, but I want you to think about someone that you used to be friends with, or you used to be closer with that ended up leaving a church or you ended up leaving a church and you're no longer as tight with them and send them a text message, reach out to them, just see how they're doing. Yep. I think it starts with us doing this on small basis. So if there's someone that, as I'm saying this, that pops into your head, who is that person? Mm-hmm. How can you reach out to them? And how can you uh, maybe not rekindle the relationship because that feels super daunting and overwhelming, but how yep. can you just check in on them and see how they're yeah. doing and exactly. uh, be a friend? Because I think it starts with us. It starts with us being intentional about that and moving forward. And that's how we create a movement, uh, a snowball effect of more and more people doing this and creating healthier church environments as we move forward. Right. So that's it for this week, Eric. Can you give an idea about what we're going to be talking about next week? Okay. So here's here's a little, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a joke. Maybe it's just a saying. But uh, you know what a tomato is, right? Is it a fruit or a vegetable? It's a fruit. Well, that's good knowledge to have. But you know that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge says tomato is a fruit. Wisdom says I don't put it in a fruit salad. And so we're going to relate that to our faith and our spirituality. And if you have no idea what that is, trust me, you're just going to want to listen. So tune in next week. I've got to do the outro now, but I'm laughing. Because I did not expect you to to go that route with that saying. Um, So that's it for this week. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, uh, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Rate us, review us, share this episode with a friend if you think it will help them. Uh, But not that friend that you're going to text because then they'll know that you are told (laughs) to text them. And that would be awkward. But that's it for this week. We hope you have a great week. And we can't wait to see you next week. (laughs) 